Welcome to the Upgrade Your Education Business podcast. I'm your host, Samantha. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you find this episode useful. If you're new to this podcast, each week I share fluff-free, actionable ideas tailored to education businesses that you can mould to suit your needs. And finally, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or follow and subscribe on whichever platform you choose. Thank you once again for tuning in. Have you ever binge watched a series on, say, Netflix? You know you should go to bed or save some episodes for later, but you just can't stop. Actually, let's take it a step further. Perhaps while you're watching it, you start looking actors up online and following them on Instagram and looking for spoilers, even though you don't really want to know. All the while, you keep the episodes playing in the background because you're engrossed and you've been sucked into their imaginary world. I am guilty as charged. And if this isn't the kind of thing you do, just for a minute, imagine that it is. Imagine that you're so fascinated and immersed into this imaginary world that you want to know everything about everyone involved. But this time, when you look online, you can't find any material about the series or the actors. You search for them on social media. Nothing. So you give up and continue to simply enjoy the series. But after the series has finished, you move on to something else and probably forget about the actors who you became so attached to because they're no longer on your radar. You wouldn't get excited when they share throwbacks of that series that you enjoyed. You wouldn't become a loyal fan who wants to watch the next thing they're featured in. Now, this concept of inviting people to enter our worlds is a great thing to remember when you're thinking about all the ways people can connect to you and consume your content that's related to who you are and what you offer. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to examine how you connect the dots in your business. Are they even connected? For instance, let's say you have a website. What kind of experience are you offering people that encourages them to go exploring? Where do you take them from your website if they want to stay connected with you? For instance, do you encourage them to join your Facebook group or follow you on Instagram? Maybe you invite them to download a useful guide in exchange for their email address, in which case you can keep in touch with them via email. And when you send these email sequences, are you circling back to your website, your Facebook group and your Instagram profile? In that example, you can see that everything is interconnected because much like the scenario of watching a series that results in you branching out to being connected with the actors involved, we want to invite people into our world. And this is the important part. We want to encourage them to stay. Because firstly, we don't know how someone might come across us for the very first time. It might be through our website or social media or word of mouth, which could lead to other touch points. So with that in mind, we can't just assume that they'll know where to go to find out more. We have to guide them. But also, we don't know what frame of mind someone might be in when they come across us. Or maybe they've been connected to us for a while, but suddenly they're more interested in what we offer. For instance, someone might be having a panic moment with their business and reactively book a discovery call with me. After the discovery call, they may cool down a little and need some time to consider whether they actually want to invest in support. 
Now, if I didn't keep in touch with them after that discovery call, then I wouldn't be able to continue supporting them from the sidelines through things like this podcast. And I wouldn't be able to help them decide whether it would be valuable for them to invest in my support. And if they came to the decision to invest in some business support, would they even think of me if I hadn't kept that relationship and conversation going? So when someone has a discovery call with me, I send them a link to my podcast. I invite them to join my Facebook group, Upgrade Your Education Business. I send them my monthly newsletter with updates and useful things like content writing prompts. But that's just based on someone meeting me through a discovery call. What if they met me through my podcast or somewhere else? So much like you, my business has different entry points, which means that I need to keep everything connected. A good way of doing this is by offering several ways people can stay connected to you and consequently you can stay on their radar and to create content that people want to binge on. Now, before I move further, please don't feel overwhelmed thinking that you need millions of things in place. If you don't have a website yet, that's fine. Use social media or emails to keep in touch with people. You don't need to be signed up to every single social media platform. The point is that you want to use whatever you do have to keep people circling between them rather than having someone say visit your website with nowhere else to go or having someone follow you on Instagram with no further route if they want to connect with you in a different way. So use what you have and just make sure that you're intentionally and continuously connecting them all together. That way you get to build relationships with people before you've even met. And because they're connecting with you in different ways, they get to know you from different angles. And this point is quite important. And it's why in episode one, I spend a moment to talk about the importance of creating different content for different platforms or mediums. Because say you and I are connected on Instagram and LinkedIn, and I just post the same content on both, then I'm not really creating a world that's interesting for you to want to stay engaged in. I'm not giving us an opportunity to get to know one another better. I know I'm using social media as an example here, but the same thing applies with all the content we put out there. Imagine that you are an avid listener of my podcast, but I just repeated the same words in my emails. I'd be training you to essentially ignore my emails because you've learned from past experience that I just repeat myself. Now, I'm not saying that messages and concepts and sometimes even certain phrases shouldn't be repeated because as I mentioned in my last episode on Instagram marketing for education businesses, we do need to repeat our messages. But there's a very big difference between sharing identical content and repurposing, where you're repackaging the same content in different ways. We can't tell people something once and expect them to remember it, but we also can't repeat ourselves and expect people to stay engaged. Now, this concept of things being connected can also apply to what we offer and how we price our offerings. For instance, let's say you offer a six-week course. Once someone has finished the course, do they have any other way of working with you? Do they have options to connect with you in different ways to continue hearing from you? Or let's take a different scenario. Let's say you offer something, but someone can't afford it. It's outside of their budget or it doesn't logistically work for them. Do they have an alternative? 
Now, I know that this isn't always possible. For instance, if you're a tutor and you have one lesson available at a specific time, it might be a simple case of someone being able to take it or not. But if they can't, is there somewhere they can go so that if another slot opens up, they can take it and they'll hear about it? Some ways you might do this is by having a Facebook group or email marketing or a waiting list. Here, you're not offering them an alternative way of working with you, but you are keeping them in your world so that if anything changes, they may well become a customer of yours. So, so far, I've really zoomed into this concept of keeping everything interconnected, but you can only do this well if you master the individual elements. For instance, you might need to develop your website in a way that it gives people an experience or guides them through a journey rather than it just being a notice board for information. So for that reason, I have a few resources that I'm developing for you where I'm going to focus very specifically on these individual elements. Things like using your website to convert browsers into buyers, creating an in-depth and cohesive content strategy. Things like using your lead magnet to keep people in your world as well. So make sure you're connected with me on social media or sign up to my newsletter so that I can keep in touch with you and let you know when these resources are released. Now, another thing you might want to consider is how well you know the space that you're operating in. I'm not talking about how well you know your target audience and their needs and their pain points, which of course is important, but I'm talking about your market. Competitor research is really important. Not so you can be competitive, but so that you can understand what's happening in your space. This is a really useful way of understanding where you fit in, where you're positioned. That might result in you deciding to reposition yourself, or you might find a gap in your market that you'd be perfect to fill. It gives you an idea of how you can convey your messages and package your offers in a way that helps someone not only distinguish you from a competitor, but to know whether to choose you over someone else. Note that I didn't say it's a way to get someone to choose you over a competitor. I said it gives people a way to know whether to choose you. And in my opinion, that difference is really key. I don't want people to choose me over my competitors simply so that I can get more business. I want people to choose me over my competitors if my style and what I offer is the best option for them. Because when we work with people who we're aligned with, they bring out the best in us, which brings out the best in them, which inevitably leads to great progress and results, which then leads to more business. We want to create customers who create other customers, perhaps through referrals, testimonials, or even because they want to keep working with us so they invest in other things that we offer. But circling back to competitor research, you can only effectively do this if you know what other people are offering and how they deliver it. And as I've discovered, this kind of research can also open doors to collaboration where you're working with a competitor to offer something powerful that works for both of your audiences. And I'm focusing on how to use competitor research because sometimes when people do this, something that holds them back in their business is this discomfort or even dislike when they see a competitor offer something that they perceive might be better than theirs or when a competitor celebrates their success. It can especially happen when someone new enters the space. And if you do sometimes feel this way, it's not unusual. I think everyone feels or has felt that way at some point. 
But as natural as it might be, it can also be something that obstructs the path to you attracting more clients. I'll give you an example. You're happily offering your services or products and feel satisfied with your stream of clients. Yes, it would be great to have more, but you're okay. But then you come across someone who offers something similar to you, but they're more expensive. And suddenly doubt creeps in. Am I too cheap? Or maybe they're cheaper than you and you wonder whether you're too expensive. Or perhaps they're talking about how many clients they have and your numbers aren't even close. You go from feeling happy and content to insecure and panicked. In reaction to that, you might jump onto the computer and email your clients to tell them your prices are increasing or decreasing or you're offering something else. Now, in that scenario, what you didn't do is pause. You didn't analyze whether your competitor is offering a different price because they deliver things differently to you or whether they work with a different target audience than you. Context is everything. I have a tutor client who earns way more than I do when we compare our tutoring businesses. But this client only offers group classes. They're quite large. And with that, they spend a lot of time on admin, things that can't be automated. Sure, they can invest in, let's say, a virtual assistant, but the amount of admin that's needed would eat quite heavily into their profits if they did pay someone to help. So they do it themselves. Now, if I hadn't looked at that context, I could have compared myself to them and decided that copying their group's only model is the way to go. But that might create a level of admin that's unsustainable for me. Perhaps the kind of clients I work with wouldn't thrive in a large group. So when you're carrying out competitor research, try and do it with a mindset of understanding your market over using it to find gaps in your business. And while it might be tempting to copy what they're doing, think about whether that's actually right for you and your clients. There's nothing wrong with being inspired by other people or even using them as a kind of template. After all, that's how we sometimes get started or that's sometimes how we learn. When we learned to write, we traced letters using a template. But as time went on, we didn't need the template anymore and we developed our own handwriting style. So you might use other people as inspiration, but always keep your finger on the pulse of your position in your market rather than giving a competitor more importance in your mind. So today I'm going to leave you with some action points to help you analyze whether you have areas in your business that you can unblock to give potential customers a clearer route to working with you. Here are three things you can do this week. Number one, analyze the content platforms that you're using. And this includes things like your website, blog, email marketing, YouTube channel, social media platforms, and examine whether you've connected them together. Are you inviting people to these different touch points and circling through them all consistently? Number two, analyze your offerings and look at how they fit with any unpaid offerings. For instance, if a potential client is hesitating to work with you, are you offering them something else that will help them make up their mind? If someone can't afford your main offering, do they have an alternative? You don't always have to have an alternative in place, but if there's a natural one you can offer, it might be worth considering. For instance, for the Tutors Mastermind, I have a waiting list of people who really want to access the training but can't make the live meetings. So I've offered them a cheaper alternative where they simply have access to the recorded versions of our sessions. 
And number three, if you haven't already, connect with your competitors so you can stay up to date with what's happening in your space. Use it to consider how you want to position yourself, how you want to develop your business, and perhaps look for collaboration opportunities. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for giving me your time. You'll hear from me next week. Would you like to take this discussion further? Perhaps you have some questions or you'd like more ideas you can tailor to your education business. If so, book a free discovery call through the link in the show notes or visit www.upgradeyoureducationbusiness.com.